Jamunati Ramanachari Jamunati Ramanachari Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Hare Hare. Jaya Radha Vallama Radha Vallama Shri Radhe Jaya Jagana Jaya Jagana Jaya Baladeva Jaya Subhadra Jaya Goranitai, 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 Jaya Goranitai. Jaya Jaya Prabhupada, 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 Jaya Prabhupada. Jaya Jaya Prabhupada, 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 Srila Prabhupada. Gaur Premanandi, Hari Hari Bo, Jaya Om Vishnupada, Paramahamsa, Paravrajik Acharya, Asaturas, Sri Sriman. It's going to be the founder of Charles of Increase, AC Bhakti Lata Swami Maharaj Prabhupada Kijai. Nitilila Pavishna, Om Vishnu Padis of Increase, Shila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada Kijai. Ananta Koti Vaishnava Vrinda Kijai. Nama Charja Shila Haridas Thakur Kijai. Premsa Kahosh Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Dhananda Shri Advaita Gadadara. Shri Vasadi Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Kijai. Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopa Gopana Shama Kunda. Radha Kunda, Giri Gauradhan Kijai. Shri Bhajabhubhu Nama Nama Kijai, Shri Nabhadi Maipur Nama Kijai, Shri Lao Chao Jagannath Puri Nama Kijai, Ganga Mai Kijai, Jamuna Mai Kijai, Bhakti Devi Kijai, 
Shmati told Maharani ki jai. Their most beautiful lordship, Shri Shri Radhavalava ki jai. Shri Shri Jagannath Baladev Subhadar ki jai. Shri Shri Gornitai ki jai. Samabeta Bhaktivinda ki jai. Going back to home, back to Godhead ki jai. Iskan Melbourne Yacha ki jai. Brihad Madanga Transcendental Book Distribution ki jai. International Food for Life Transcendental Prasadam Distribution ki jai. Shri Hari Nam Sankirtan ki jai. Nitai Gaur Premanandi. Hari Hari Bhav. All glories to the Seven Devotees. All glories to the Seven Devotees. All glories to the Seven Devotees. All glories, all glories to Shri Shri Guru and Gauranga Guru Shila Prabhupada. Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaiva Narotamam Deving Sarasatim Vyasam Tatojayam Hatirayat Before reciting the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is our means of conquest, let us offer respectful obeisances unto the personality of God and Lord Narayan, unto Narayan Narayan Rishi, the supermost human being, unto Mother Saraswati, the goddess of learning. Onto Srila Vyasadeva, the author, and onto Srila Prabhupada, who is the translator, commentator, and our spiritual master. Nashita Prayesho Bhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naishtiki by regularly attending the Srimad Bhagavatam class and by rendering service unto the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is almost completely destroyed. And loving devotional service unto the personality of Godhead, whose worship with transcendental songs becomes established as an irrevocable fact. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So we're continuing our reading from the seventh canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, chapter 11, entitled The Perfect Society for Social Classes. And today's text is text 35, which is the last verse in the chapter. Yasya Yal Lakshanam Proktam so, Farnabivanjakam Yad Anyatrapi Trishyeta Tat Tainaiva Pinir Dishet Yasya Lakshanang Proktam Pungso Varnabivyanjakam Anyatra Pidrishyeta Tate Naiva Venir Dishit Yasya Lakshanang Proctum Pungso Varna Bibyanjakam Yat Anyatra Pidrishyeta Tatena Iva Venir Dishit Yasya Lakshanang Proctum 
Pungso Varna Bivyanjakam Yad Anyatra Pijisheta Tate Nivavinir Dishet Please chant. Yasaya Lakshanang Proctum Pungso Varna Bivyanjakam Yadanyatra Pitrisheta Tatena Eva Binir Dishet Yasaya Lakshanang Proctum Pungsovarna bivyanjakam Yadyanyatre pipinjesha Tate naiva vinir dishet Very good, Chaitanya. Yaseya lakshanang proktam Pungsovarna bivyanjakam Yat anyatra pibitrasheta Tate naiva vinir dishet Twice the beans Yaseya lakshanang proktam Pungsovarna bivyanjakam Yat anyatra pibitrasheta Tate naiva vinir dishet Yaseya lakshanang proktam Pungsovarna bivyanjakam Yat anyatra pidrisheta Tate naiva vinir dishet Very good Anyone else? Okay, synonyms. Yasya. Of whom? Yet. Which? Lakshanam. Symptom. Proktam. Described. Above. Pungsaha. Of a person. Of a person. Varna abhivyanjakam. Indicating the classification. Brahmana, Chatriya, Vaisha, Shudra, and so on. Yet, if, Anyatra, elsewhere, Upi, also, Trishyata, is seen, Tat, that, Tena, by that symptom. Eva, certainly. Vinir Dishet, one should designate. Srila Prabhupada's translation for this verse. If one shows the symptoms of being a Brahmana, Chaturya, Vaishya, or Shudra, as described above, even if he has appeared in a different class, he should be accepted according to those symptoms of classification. Please repeat. If one shows the symptoms of being a Brahmana, Chatriya, Vaisha, or Shudra, 
as described above, even if he has appeared in a different class, he should be accepted according to those symptoms of classification. Srila Papa's purport. Herein, it is clearly stated by Narada Muni that one should not be accepted as a Brahmana, Chatriya, Vaishya, or Shudra according to birth. For although this is going on now, and Prabhupada was writing this back in the 60s, so he says, although this is going on now, it is not accepted by the Shastras as stated in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 4, text 13. Thus, the four divisions of society, Brahmana, Chatriya, Vaishya, and Shudra, are to be ascertained according to qualities and activities. If one was born in a Brahmana family and has acquired the Brahminical qualifications, he is to be accepted as a Brahmana. Otherwise, he should be considered a Brahma Bandhu. Similarly, if a Shudra acquires the qualities of a Brahmana, although he was born in a Shudra family, he is not a Shudra. Because he has developed the qualities of a Brahmana, he should be accepted as a Brahmana. The Krishna consciousness movement is meant to develop these Brahminical qualities, regardless of the community in which one was born. If one develops the qualities of a Brahmana, he should be accepted as a Brahmana and he then may be offered the order of sannyas. Unless one is qualified in terms of the Brahminical symptoms, one cannot take sannyas. In designating a person a Brahmana, Chatriya, Vaishya, or Shudra, birth is not the essential symptom. This understanding is very important. Herein, Narada Muni distinctly says, that one may be accepted according to the caste of his birth if he has the corresponding qualifications. But otherwise, he should not. One who has attained the qualification of a Brahmana, regardless of where he was born, should be accepted as a Brahmana. Similarly, if one has developed the qualities of a Shudra or a Chandala, regardless of where he was born, he should be accepted in terms of those symptoms. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purpose of the 7th Canto, 11th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam entitled The Perfect Society for Social Classes. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Mutale Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swami Nitinamini Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pacharini Nirvishesha Shunyavati Pashachadeshtarini Om Ajnana Timarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitam Jaina Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manomishtang Shapitang Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vandeya Hang Sri Guru Sri Yutapada Kamalam Sri Guru Vaishavangsha Sri Rupam Sagadatam Sahagana Raganatan Vitam Tang Sajivam Sadvaitam Sabadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitangsha He Krishna Karana Sindhu Dina Bando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopikanta Radha Kanta Namosate Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindabhaneshari Vishabhanu Sute Devi Padabhami Hari Priya Vancha Kopaturubya Shakripa Sindhu Avicha Patitanang Pavanepio Vaishavepio Namo Namaha 
Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Dittananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasari Gorbhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So this Varn Ashram system as being explained here by Narad Muni as we know the speaker Narad Muni is not an ordinary person not only is he a Vaishnava but he's such an elevated Vaishnava he can go to the spiritual world and come back anytime he wants <laughs> How many of you would like to be able to do that? <laughs> Practically, everybody who believes in God wants to do that because they want to be able to go and see God and come back and show evidence. See, look on my iPhone. I took a picture of God here. Because <laughs> those who don't believe in God, especially nowadays the so-called scientific community, they always say, you religionists, you believe in God, but and this God created everything, but who made God? Where did he come from? And a lot of so-called religionists are stumped by this because they don't understand the concept of eternality. They want to be eternal. Everybody wants to live eternally, but they don't understand, have a clear conception of what is eternality. But we have a very simple definition. Eternal means always existed in the past, is existing now, and will always exist in the future. So something that is not eternal cannot become eternal. You see? Like this podium. At one point, the material, the wood, was in the form of a tree. And prior to that, that tree was in the form of a seed that came from another tree, like that. So the particular tree that this came from was not eternal. At one point, it didn't exist. It existed for some time, and then it was cut down. And the energy was transformed into these wooden planks that was made into... So something that is not eternal cannot become eternal because eternal means always existed in the past, existing now, and will continue to exist in the future. So our religious brothers from other paths, they, don't even, they themselves don't understand this clearly, so they can't present it clearly to the non-believers. So the non-believers, they stump them. You say there is a God who created everything. Where did your God come from? So I've had the... Fun, it's actually fun to deal with these guys because you can stump them so easily. So, if you don't believe that there is an original supreme person, what is it you don't accept? Because God, the definition of God, simple definition is the supreme being, the supreme person. So, do you not accept the concept of supremacy? Because we have evidence of that in front of us every day. Somebody is, can run fast, somebody runs faster, and at any given point in time, somebody's designated as the fastest man on the planet. So, not equal. There's hierarchy, supremacy. And in any category you look at, there's gradation up to some supreme. So, you have to accept the concept of supremacy. And then, supreme being or supreme birth person, do you not accept personhood? You're a person, you know it, you like to be treated personally, not impersonally. So, if you accept both of those concepts, what is it you don't understand? There is a being, a supreme being, we're all beings, we can't, I'm conscious of you, you're conscious of me. God is that person who's conscious of everyone, constantly. No cessation, no break. That's God. That's why in every religious system, religious path, they believe in the concept of omniscience. 
God is omniscient. We know ourselves to a certain degree, and we know others to a certain degree. But we can't say we know even ourselves completely, what to speak of others completely. But God is that being who's conscious of everyone all the time. And this is actually the beginning of God consciousness to accept that, not just accept it, to live on that premise that God is conscious of you, me, all of us, all the time. So we have a saying, uh, I don't even know who coined it, but in the early days we, we heard this. You can fool all of the people some of the time. You can fool some of the people all of the time. They're so... But you can't fool God even one time, so don't try. <laughs> you see? This is the beginning of God consciousness. If you don't understand that and live your life like that, that I'm being observed by God or his, and his agents, some of them, all the time. So this was the stumbling block for this uh, Urquhart, a proper teacher in Scottish Church's College back in Calcutta. He said, you Hindus, you believe in this karma. But if I lived in a previous life, who witnessed my activities so that I can get the results of my karma? So probably at the time, he didn't give him an answer, but he's later on, when he was translating this Srimad Bhagavatam in the previous canto, sixth canto, the first chapter, Ajami Lila, there's that verse that says, Kang, Ku, all of the demigods, they're witnessing everything you do. Not just the things that we do on a gross level, but even on a subtle level. Our thoughts are being monitored. So in previous ages, one was culpable or, rely, or, or, or responsible for thinking properly. No evil thoughts. You have to think nice. And that was, uh, that's demonstrated in the pastime of Kashyapamuni and Aditi. When Kashyapamuni had been away for some time, he came back to find his wife Aditi in a morose state. So he kept questioning, why, why are you morose? Did this happen? Did that happen? He even asked her, did you not properly receive guests? If you don't properly receive guests, that's sinful. He even asked her, did you look at somebody in a bad way? If you look at somebody in a mean way, that's sinful. So we're being so finely observed and we're so, human life, this doesn't apply to animals, but human life is meant to be lived so responsibly. If you have one bad thought, also there's that pastime of uh, Parsharam uh, and his father, Jamandagni. His mother had gone down to the river to fetch water for household duties. And she happened to see this one Gandharva, because in previous ages, the demigods and the sub-demigods, they used to come regularly to the earth planet because it was a nice place to visit, just like Melbourne for somebody who's living in some you know, bad place. Melbourne is a great place to visit. So they would come. <clears throat> so she saw this Gandharva, and just for a moment, she had a thought of what it would be like to be involved with this man. And her husband, back in the ashram, he could understand her thought. Just see how powerful a sage he was and how responsible you had to be for your thoughts. She just for a moment thought passed through her mind what it would be like to be involved with this handsome man. So she goes back to the ashram and the father 
orders son Parshuram was the youngest if I remember correctly so the older brothers they ordered you kill your mother she's been sinful they refused so then finally comes to the youngest Parshuram he says kill her she's sinful and he said yes father but if I will do it if you will give me a boon that I will ask afterwards and the father says yes so not only kill the mother, kill these two brothers for refusing my order. So he done. Kill the mother, kill the brothers. And then the father asked, so I am very pleased with you. You're a very faithful son. What is your boon you're asking? Bring them back to life. <laughs> so the father was so powerful, he brought them back to life. But my point is, in previous ages, one was responsible for having bad thoughts. If you had bad thoughts, you would get bad karma for it. But in Kali Yuga, we're so short-lived and so weak-minded that we're not held responsible for having bad thoughts. But if you indulge in bad thoughts, like we were discussing yesterday, thinking leads to feeling, leads to willing, and leads to action. So if you indulge in bad thoughts, you will develop bad feelings and you will will yourself to do bad things. So the... the Guru-disciple relationship means the disciple surrenders to the guru to be trained how to think properly. Because <laughs> if you can be taught how to think properly, then you will develop proper feelings, you will will yourself to act properly. You will accept the guidelines. So disciple means, Prophet said, there is no question of disciple if there is no discipline. So the disciple means Fully surrendered to the discipline imposed by the spiritual master. Now in previous ages, again, this Varnashram system worked because people were properly trained, not just according to their birth. And there are so many examples like Rishabdev, when he was about to retire and he called, assembled his hundred sons and instructed them, nice verses in the fifth canto, fifth chapter, and interestingly, although he was a Chatriya, you would think that his sons would all be Chatriyas, but they weren't. Out of those hundred sons, nine of them became the renunciants known as the Navayogendras. So they were not Chatriyas, they were Brahmana preachers. So it's not because the father has a certain caste or varna that the sons have to have that. But over time, it deteriorated into that system that if you were born in a Brahmin caste or Brahmin family, you're accepted as a Brahmin. And Prophet was, not just Prophet, our line, very much against that. We're presenting the same understanding that Nard Muni is presenting here in the Bhagavatam. That it's not by your birth. Prophet said in Calcutta, there's so many so-called Brahmanas, they're wearing a two-pie thread, but they're pulling a tailor. <laughs> that is their occupation. Everybody knows what is a tela? It's a cart with wheels that should actually be drawn by an animal, but men pull those carts. Heavy loads are put on there, and they struggle, and they pull these carts through the streets of Calcutta. So Prabhupada was telling, not making fun, but pointing out what kind of brahmana. So he's walking along, sweating, pulling some cart, and then some other foolish person comes and bows down, touches his feet. Oh, brahmana, <laughs> give me a blessing. What kind of brahmana are you? That's not a Brahmana's occupation, to pull heavy loads. As we discussed previously, and Prophet mentioned in his purport, 
Six occupations of the Brahmana. Patan, patan, yajan, yajan, dana, pratigraha. So patan, patan means first you have to learn, which means you have to, you have, to have the ability to learn. You have to become to learn this Vedic knowledge, as we know in previous ages. Everyone was Shrutidhar. There were no books. They would go to the Gurukula, the spiritual master, the teacher would speak, and they would remember for life anything they heard. That's called Shrutidhar. So Papa said his spiritual master, Bhakti Siddhanta, was like that. Anything he heard in his life, he would remember for life. But understanding that Kali Yuga was coming, Srila Vyasadeva codified or had this Vedic knowledge that was previously an oral tradition, he had it written, written down so that we can return again and again and again <laughs> to read it and try to understand it. Again, in previous ages, they would hear once and not only remember, but apply it in their lives. So this is the beginning of Brahminical culture, Brahminical qualification. One must be able to hear the Vedic literature, learn the Vedic literature, but then, and then teach it to others with no expectation of remuneration. This is a Brahmana. Prophet said even in his youth, still, in any village, a qualified Brahmana would come, sit down, make a school, Gurukula, to teach not just the Vedic literature, but also the basics, reading, writing, like that, arithmetic. And he wouldn't ask for any pay. He would just sit down, open his school, and the neighboring families, they would send their children. And out of appreciation, they would give some donation. Some cloth, some atta, some vegetables, like that. And that's how the Brahmana would maintain his family. He didn't have to charge any fees. You send your son and you give me 300 rupees a month. Or <laughs> Not like that. He would just sit down, open his school. The parents would send the children. And out of appreciation, they would give some donation. They would maintain himself like that. So this is real Brahmana, Brahminical quality. Not expecting, ready to teach without expecting any remuneration. This is a Brahmana. Prophet also said uh, there was one... Brahmana in Krishnanagar, who uh, had become famous for being renounced. So the local zamindari came to see him, and Brahmana was living very simply. He and his wife, they had a cottage, and he had a school he was teaching. So the zamindar, you know, a little puffed up, he was saying, Oh, Brahmanji, you look very skinny. I am your servant. I'm well, well, ready to serve you. I can give you any amount of money and to take care and fix up your cottage. No, 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 he said, I'm very satisfied. We have one tamarind tree, whatever leaves fall, the wife takes it and boils them, we boil some rice and we're happy. <laughs> so this is a Brahmana. Brahmana is happy in any circumstance, just doing his Brahminical duties. Doesn't require. And Prabhupada said in those days they were so strict, they would not even allow the wife to cook for them. Some, we have some wives here. Imagine your husband will not eat anything that you cook. Every day they had to cook for themselves. This was Brahmana, so renounced. So, just like we know, in Chaitanya Leela, when that Brahmana visited Lord Chaitanya's home, and he insisted on cooking for himself. But every time he made, cooked the boga and was ready to offer, little Nimai would come and eat. <laughs> and he was, oh, my offering is spoiled, now I have to start over again. And they go and cook. Imagine, Mother Shachi was probably the greatest cook in the universe at that point. He didn't want to allow her to cook for him. He wanted to cook for himself. 
So every time Nehemiah would spoil the offering, he would have to start over and cook again. And then finally, he was so frustrated and Nehemiah revealed. He said, I am the person you're offering to. <laughs> Don't you understand? <laughs> so, patan patan, yajan yajan. And one, the next set, yajan yajan, the Brahmana has to know how to perform sacrifice and teach others. Not just, I am the... Yajyaraj, you have to come to me. No, they are always willing to train others how to perform yajna. So in this age, the yajna recommended for Kali Yuga is Sankirtan. Sankirtan yajna. So every one of us has to become conversant in how to perform Sankirtan yajna properly following Lord Chaitanya's lead and teachings which have been handed down carefully through our Sampradaya, through Srila Prabhupada. So our life is very simple. Whatever Prabhupada instructs in his books, in his lecture, recorded lectures, in his recorded conversations, we absorb that and we pass it on. Pass on the same knowledge. No addition, no subtraction. So some devotees are confused. They say, well, how about the fact that they edited Prabhupada's books? So I have to remind them the editing department did not create itself. It's not that devotees went to Prophet and said, you know, your books are nice, but we think they should be edited. No. <laughs> Prophet created the English editing department and the Sanskrit editing department. When he met my godbrother Hayagriva, who is now departed for some time, he asked him, what, what do you do? Met him in the streets in New York. He asked him, what do you do? He said, I'm an English professor. He said, oh, can you uh, do some editing for me? <laughs> so he gave him his manuscript to Bhagavad Gita and said, edit them. Prabhupada did not say, I am a pure devotee, these books are actually dictated to me from, by Krishna, so just make them exactly what you've heard. No, he understood. His books needed, he wanted his books to be polished to the degree where they would be accepted by Western scholars. So that's why we have this fantastic layout. We have the, we have the Devanagari, we have the transliteration, we have the word-by-word -word synonyms, then we have proper translation, and then we have his commentary, his purport. So this is highly, um, highly regarded by Western scholars, this format that Prophet made his books in. But he understood again, even though superficial you would say Prophet was ESL, English was his second language, but his English was much on <laughs> a higher platform than most of his followers. Prabhupada quite often what it asked, what is the meaning of this word? And they didn't know. Prabhupada is using words that <laughs> native English speakers didn't understand. But still, in spite of that, he wanted his books to be polished. So that's how the editing process started. It wasn't that Prabhupada's disciples, and I know, I worked in the book production from 1974. It's not that Prabhupada's disciples imposed on him the editing of his books. He created the editing department. So please understand that a lot of young devotees don't understand that. So people get in their ears and say, ah, oh, don't only find the pre-78 books because probably, uh. no. So that doesn't mean, and sometimes the argument they use is that if a book was printed when Prophet was here, then everything in it was okay. No. The famous example, and I was speaking to one devotee yesterday about this, a famous example, when Hayagriva first edited Prophet's Bhagavad Gita, he didn't have much experience in this, this genre. So he looked at other versions of Bhagavad Gita that had been translated into English. So what you see throughout Bhagavad Gita says, 
Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. So Hayagiri represented it as the blessed Lord said. And it was printed like that. So one day Prabhupada is reading his own book and he said, what is this blessed Lord said? Sri Bhagavan Uvacha means the supreme personality of God had said. And then he explained what is Bhagavan. As I started to explain yesterday, but I didn't uh, recite the verse from Parshamuni. Aishvaryasya, Samagrasya, Viryasya, Yasha Shakriya, Jnana, Bhagavan Yoshaiva, Shanam Bhaga Itingana. This is the definition of Bhagavan given by Parshamuni, the father of Yasadi. Six qualities must be there in full, complete. All of us have some of those qualities or all of them to a minute degree. So Aishvarya means opulence, wealth. So Bhagavan cannot be poor. That's another thing that Prophet railed against. These Mayavadis, they're talking about Daridra Narayan. Narayan cannot be Daridra. <laughs> Narayan is the source of all opulence. He cannot be poor Narayan. There's no, it's incompatibility there. So Aishwarya says, Samagasa, Virya, strength. I, Bhagavan must be the strongest. As we said, God means supreme being. So he has to be supreme in every category. And Krishna displayed that when he was a seven-year-old boy in Vrindavan by, that's why he's known as Giridhari. He's holding up the Govardhan Hill, seven days, seven nights, on the pinky finger of his left hand. So this is Virya. Aishwarya, Samakvirya, Yasha. Yasha means fame. And that's why Krishna's mother is known as Yashoda, because she's increasing Krishna's fame by her interaction with him. So, the world is full of so many famous people, but Bhagavan, Krishna, is the most famous. In every culture, there is some concept of God. They may not know the name Krishna, but there is some concept of God. So, God is the most famous, known everywhere. Aishwarya, Samagrasya, Virasya, Yashasya, Shriya. Shriya means beauty. So, God is the most beautiful person. All of us, we cannot deny we are attracted by beauty, beautiful woman, handsome man. But the most beautiful, most handsome person is Bhagavan, Krishna. Mukunda Maharaj told me the story. We used to live together in the 90s. Uh, he, was, he had decided to produce this Hare Krishna Today video as a monthly offering to the society. So my service was to go around with a video camera and take pictures, not just in America where I live, but I would go to Europe and other places, India, take videos, and then I would go back and edit them, and we would send out a monthly VHS tape <laughs> to all of our subscribers. So he told me, because he had a lot of direct interaction with George Harrison. He said, George Harrison told him, <clears throat> you know that song I wrote, very famous song, it's called Something in the Way She Moves attracts me like no other lover. But he told Mukunda Maharaj, I actually wanted to write something in the way he moves. <laughs> Krishna. He said, but if I'd written it like that, people would think that I was gay. <laughs> so he changed it to something in the way she moves. So Krishna is the most attractive person. So Aishwaryasya, Samagrasya, Bhiryasya, Yashashakshya, Jnana. Jnana means knowledge. 
So Bhagavan has to be the most knowledgeable person. Prabhupada says the, the proof is this Bhagavad Gita, which was spoken to Arjuna on a battlefield in half an hour, 45 minutes maximum, Prabhupada says. Still, thousands of years later, people can't understand. They read and they read and they have to reread and still don't get it. Because there has to be some level of purity to understand Bhagavad Gita. There are Mayavadis, they don't believe there's a supreme being, they believe there's some ultimate spiritual reality, but not some amorphous spiritual energy. But they read Bhagavad Gita. Some of them, they know every verse in the Bhagavad Gita. They know it better sometimes than the Bhaktas. They can recite all 700 verses, but they don't believe God is a person. They don't believe Krishna is a person. I met one such person. <clears throat> we were having a small Rathayatra in Laguna Beach, south of Los Angeles. So I had a book table, and one such Mayavadi scholar came up and he said, I know all of Bhagavad Gita. Really? So I, I know a few verses, so I tested him this verse, that verse, and he knew. And then he said very proudly, now I'm going to learn all 18,000 shlokas of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So at that time, Mahavishnu Swami, not the proper disciple Mahavishnu Swami, the one who was a disciple of Trivikram, Avavam, Shivaram Maharaj, he's now departed. Older Indian gentleman, so he was there. So I went to Maharaj and I said, you see that guy over there? He knows the entire Bhagavad Gita and he says he's going to learn the entire Shema Bhagavatam. So Maharaj, he was, he was very astute and very witty. He, he looked him up and down. He looked the guy up and down. He said, where's the bead bag? I don't see any bead bag. <laughs> he said, in this age, that's the sign of intelligence. If you're actually intelligent, knowledgeable, you will chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> so, Aishwarya, Samagrasya, Bhirasya, Yashashakriya, Jnana, Vairagya. Vairagya means renunciation. So although God, Krishna, the Supreme Being, everything belongs to Him because everything emanates from Him, still He's not attached. He's not attached. And what is the prime example of that? In the Rasa dance. He's dancing with the most beautiful women, not just in one location, from ever. Most beautiful gopis He's dancing with. And because he detected they were getting a little bit proud, left, disappeared. And they were, we know from 10th Canto, how they were lamenting and looking everywhere for Krishna. So that's a prime example of renunciation. So the, the Brahmanas, Patan Patan Yajan Yajan, Dana Pratigraha, last couplet. The Brahmana is allowed to collect charitable. Like I said, the Brahmanas would sit down and people would give them charitable donations based on appreciating their service to society, not just whimsically. As we hear from the Bhagavad Gita, charity is in different modes. Charity in the mode of ignorance means you give to the wrong person, wrong time, wrong circumstances. Example would be like you're walking down the streets of Melbourne. I notice they're not, I don't see any homeless here. In LA, there are homeless people all over the place. But let's say you're, there's some homeless person on the street. Out of compassion, you take out you know, a $20 note and give him. Chances are it's not going to be spent properly. The vast majority of them is just going to head to the nearest liquor shop and buy some. <laughs> so that's charity in the mode of ignorance. You feel good, you gave some money to this homeless person. But it's 
not proper charity because it's not going to be used properly. Charity in the mode of passion means I make a big deal about my donations. I'm a wealthy guy and there is some cause, save the whales or whatever, and I make a very ostentatious donation and my name has to be put on the news and like that. That's charity in the mode of passion. You're doing it actually to puff up your own ego. You don't even really care about saving the whales, but if I make a $1 million donation to save the whale society, then everybody will know my name and like that. And this has charity in the mode of passion. Charity in the mode of goodness means <clears throat> to the right person, right time, right cause. So, if you give money in the mode of ignorance, you get it back one-to-one. -one. So you gave $20, you get back $20 in the future. Charity, mode of passion, a little higher cause, you'll get it back a thousand times. So you gave a thousand dollar donation to some cause, you'll get back a thousand times. But charity to a transcendental cause, like the International Society for Christian Consciousness, you cannot calculate, there is no calculation of your future remuneration from that charity. And this was known in India, ancient India, and that's why all wealthy people, they were clamoring to give money to sadhus and like that. Like that man who was saved, his boat was saved by Sanatan Goswami. So he, Maharaj, please allow me to do something in return. And he built the Madan Mohan temple. So oh, every wealthy person in India in the past, they understood that. If I use my money for some transcendental cause, building a temple, general charity, everybody understood. You plant trees, you dig a well. This is general charity. But they all knew highest form of charity. That's why there's so many temples in India. <laughs> it wasn't built by the poor people. It's not that they made a collection of a few annas, a few rupees here. No. The wealthy class, they always knew this, that if I use my money, for some transcendental cause, you cannot calculate the return. And that's why to, to this day in India, there's so many wealthy families. It's not by accident. We know how karma works. It's not an accident. These wealthy families, however, unfortunately, because they're not properly educated in Vedic knowledge, they take birth in a very wealthy family by their past karma, and then they misuse it. They misuse it. So many famous examples. So, for us, finishing up this chapter, it's to be understood, again, very clearly, that your classification in terms of your occupation, Brahmana, Chacharya, Vaishya, is meant to be done based on your qualities. Your qualities. Uh, and the Parents and the guru, guide, parents guided by the guru, they made that determination. They would observe the child and uh, your son should be trained as a chatri or your son should be trained as a brahmana, like that. And we know, again, we have so many occupations nowadays. You can be a lawyer, doctor, bus driver, banker, whatever. But you have to have 
the qualifications yourself. It's not that because my father was a Supreme Court judge, probably like to use that activity, then I'm automatically a Supreme Court judge. No. <laughs> you have to go to undergrad, grad, law school, pass the bar exam. <clears throat> it's not hereditary. Your father may be able to open some doors for you based on his standing, but you still have to have the qualification. You have to. So it's the same thing with these four varnas. Your father may be a brahmana, but you have to have brahminical qualities. Otherwise, you should not be accepted as a brahmana. Also, same thing for chatriya. Imagine somebody, famous chatriya, big-time warrior, and he has some weakling son, and he wants to pass himself off as a chatriya. What kind of protection is he going to give? So each individual has to be judged based on their own quality. Like I said, Rishabdev, 100 sons. He was a great king, but it's not that all of them had that chachriya inclination. Nabayogendras, they were not inclined to chachriya activity. They were great sages. So everybody has to be judged based on their own inclination and quality. Many times our children approach me to ask about discuss about their future, what to get into. So I always tell them, there has to be two things, interest and aptitude. So if you have the aptitude to be a doctor, but you have no interest in being a doctor, like I did when I was growing up, family, highly educated family, I had to choose pretty much either be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. So I knew I didn't want to be a doctor. Lawyer, nah. So I went into engineering. Wasn't really much into that either, so I was happy when Prabhupada took me out of that environment. I just finished my third year of four-year studies in engineering when I met the devotees and started chanting Hare Krishna. So I didn't want to go back for the last year. I said, this is my calling, I'm going to do this. But one day, I may have told a story, but maybe, uh, maybe not. Anyway, one day the temple president, Gopijanavalamba Prabhu, he's no longer with us, departed quite some time ago. He came to me. I had not yet been initiated. And he said, Dr. Orville, I think you should go back and finish your last year of engineering. No, I don't want to do it. No, 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 you should go. Prabhupada is going to be opening so many temples and you can use your engineering skills for Prabhupada. You should go back to school. <laughs> so after back and forth, he convinced me. So I started going back to school. Dressed like this, Dodi, Tilang. <laughs> You can imagine in New York, this is 1974 in New York. All my friends, or you say mates here in Australia, they were. <laughs> so I went back for the last year. Later on, much later on, I found out the real reason why he asked me to go back to school. One day, unbeknownst to me, my elder sister, I'm a middle child, I have an older sister, younger sister, older sister by three and a half years. So she came to the temple. <coughs> with uh, a couple of her male friends. They had already graduated college, but they had been football players, American football players in college, so they were huge guys. <laughs> Big and at that time, the Black Panthers were very active in America. So the Tampa president became afraid. He thought these guys are Black Panthers, they've come to take their friend relative out of the temple and if he doesn't go they'll cause trouble <laughs> that's why he convinced me to go back to school <laughs> but if I had known I would have told him no these guys are like pussycats they really were they were you know big guys and they looked imposing but on a personal level they were like pussycats they weren't going to cause any trouble 
So interest and aptitude. Children, are you listening? Interest and aptitude. For profession, you have to, first of all, be very strongly interested, and you have to have the aptitude or qualification. So if somebody's trying to force you to be a lawyer or a doctor, again, you examine your own consciousness. Am I interested in being this particular thing, and do I have the real aptitude for it? Okay? All right. We can stop here and save time for a few questions. By the way, thank you very much for your hospitality. I am very, very... Uh, pleasantly surprised by the the energy and vitality of ISKCON Melbourne. It's my first time visiting here or anywhere in Australia. Um, Swami invited me to participate in the Recharge Festival in New Zealand. So I figured I'm so close I should go to Australia also. So tomorrow morning early, I won't see you. I'm flying to Sydney. And then after a few days, I'm going to fly to... Originally, I was going to go to Brisbane, but I had to change my ticket because... Uh, Ani Rudapurpu said, no, you should go to Gold Coast Airport. It's closer to the farm, to get to the farm. So tomorrow morning, I'm flying to Sydney, and then from Sydney to Gold Coast, and then I actually fly back to uh, Auckland, and then from Auckland back to LA, because it was cheaper to do a round trip to New Zealand than to fly back from Australia. Anyway, any questions about anything that I said or anything that you would like to ask? It doesn't have to be particularly related to today's class. Hey Krishna Prabhu, thank you for the nice class. Prabhu, you told if we give charity to a transcendental person, we get immense benefits. So I would like to ask as kids, how can we do charity? Because we don't have money, we are not qualified enough, and we don't have any knowledge at all. We don't know Bhagavatam that much. Okay, very good question. Everybody heard that? What is your name? You ask good questions. Sevya. 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 Hare Krishna. May Krishna bless you to not only ask good questions, but provide good answers also. Okay? So one can render service with one's body, one's mind, one's words, one's wealth. Whatever you possess can be used in service to Krishna or Krishna's representative, the spiritual master or devotees in general. So the general understanding is that there are two things. There's daya and seva. Seva means service. So seva goes up. One serves those who are in a superior position. Daya, mercy, comes down. So when a person who is in a superior position does something for you, you don't call that service. It's not that they're serving you. They're being merciful. In whatever way they do something for you. Like Prabhupada used to when he was traveling, in those days wristwatches were very popular, so devotees would always give Prabhupada wristwatches. Sometimes he had three of them on his wrist. <laughs> But Prabhupada would keep for a few days and then he would take it off and give it to a disciple. So it's not that he's serving that disciple, he's being merciful. So daya comes down, seva goes up. But it doesn't have to be with money. With your body, your mind, your words, we try to serve this, those in a superior position. We serve with the words by glorifying them, by repeating what we've heard from them. With the body, we can do so many things, clean the temple, cook, distribute books. But it all starts here. The mind is the center of the senses. So if one is, as I said earlier, trained to think properly, then one will develop proper feelings and will act properly. Okay? Thanks. Something else? Just pass it to the next person, they can pass it over, yeah. You don't have to get up. 
Hare Krishna Prabhu, thank you so much for your class. Hare Krishna. Um, in your class yesterday, you mentioned in the uh, Prabhupada's purport in chapter 6 about what it means to be brahmachari. And you said that it's like uh, abstinence from sex desire in your in the work, mind and words. Not I said, this is a verse from Yogi Belka. He yeah. gives the definition. Yeah. It's in the purport to the double verse 13, 14. And every brahmachari or aspiring mm -hmm. brahmachari should must learn this verse. Karmana manasabhacha. I was wondering if you could explain what that actually means to be free from sex desire in the words, in the mind, in the work. It was natural because in previous ages, the boys were sent to school from age five, Komara Acharya Pragyo. From the Komara age, from the age of five, they were sent to school. And notably in those ages, a lot of gurukulas were run by not just a male figure, it was husband and wife, just like Krishna, who's Krishna's guru? Sandipani Muni. He was married, he had a wife, so she insisted in raising the boys and seeing to their all needs. So naturally, a boy of that age has no sex desire. That's why the poor Kumaras deliberately keep themselves appearing as five-year-old boys. Because a five-year-old boy has no sex desire. So. If starting at that age, they're trained to see every woman as mother, it remains with them for life. And then even later on, when they accept one woman as wife, they still see all other women as mother. So there's no question of sex desire with one's mother. So that's, it's a product of proper training. And that's why I said, you know, we can't be surprised that so many in our society and other societies, not just in this country, have had problems uh, maintaining vows because we were already spoiled when we joined. If you joined the movement at age 21, 25, already spoiled rotten. <laughs> and now you, after a few weeks of training, you put on separate and I'm a Brahmin, sorry. <laughs> you see, it doesn't work. Very difficult to make that work. So you have to start, there has to be a Gorokula situation where the young children can be trained how to see properly. So Chanaka Pandit says an intelligent person is Pandit, a real intelligent person, is one who sees like this. sees all women except his wife as mother. means you see others' possessions as garbage in the street. Somebody could drop a wallet with $10,000 in it, you don't touch it. You don't have any inclination to take it and, ah, I found it. It's mine. No, it's not yours. Everybody else's possessions you see as garbage in the street. So there's no question of theft. To see all living entities as you see yourself. Just like I said yesterday, if somebody pinches you, you feel pain. So where's the question of even pinching somebody else, what to speak of cutting their throat? So one who can see like that is actually a pundit. And that comes about by training. It's not just accidentally. <laughs> Some people have that qualification. It has to be trained, inculcated from age, what is your age? Hmm? Three years old. Yeah, you can start even now, if he's calm enough. Generally, they say, let them do whatever until five, and then you have to start putting. But my mother was a school teacher, so at age three, I was reading. And in those days, I was born in 52. So age three means it's 1955. There was, we had just gotten television, but we were, they were only allowed, allowed us to turn it on once a day in the evening like that. So 
and there was no internet. So what to do? So I was reading constantly. So your question answered? I was also thinking that in the form of subtle sex as well, so not just gross. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's, the, that's what we're talking about. Subtle sex means how you, how you think. So when you're trained properly starting from age five, you don't think about it. There's no question. In general, five-year-old children don't think about it. But if you maintain that mentality as you become 10 and then puberty hits, OMG, Oh my Govinda. <laughs> That's what happens. Most boys, you don't have to tell them, don't they? not. They want to play and jump and run, and they're not thinking like that. But in our society, it's so insidious nowadays that the billboards, the TV, the movies, even before they reach puberty, they're already confused, attracted. So we have to maintain within our society, we can't control what's outside of ISKCON. But at least within ISKCON, those of you who are parents, it's your responsibility. Don't just leave it up to... And it starts with bad association. That's why as far as possible we should have our own schools, at least in the formative years. Because if you immediately send them to associate with non-devotees, they start getting contaminated. And then you see, they gradually withdraw from devotional activities. Because what are my friends in school going to think if I show up with Tilak or if I sit down and read Krishna book during my recess? <laughs> you know? they, start, they start getting contaminated. So it's the parents' responsibility. And many parents, you know, I've been, I've been around for a while and I see many parents think it's the society's responsibility. It's going to do this. It's, no, it's your kids. <laughs> it's the responsibility of the parents to get together and form a guru kula with qualified teachers if there's not one existing already. Don't leave it up to the society. This, this is a spiritual society, so the main thrust and responsibility of the spiritual society is spiritual education. But not necessarily to open a school every time some parent demands. No, that's not what the society is meant for. Just like you will pay money for your child to go to some private school because it's a good school and you'll have a good future. Similarly, the parents should be willing to spend money to create a gurukula. So they have full control. Because again, if you send them to some private school, Yes, they may get a good academic education, but they will be released in a rotten state of mind. Trust me, guaranteed. And I'm the, I'm the director of academic outreach for the ISKCON Temple in Los Angeles. And one of the things I ask students when I go, make, I said, why in my time and pr prior to that, there were so many segregated schools by sex. You had a boys elementary school, boys high school, boys colleges, university. <laughs> why? Actually, one of the schools that I speak is Loyola High School in downtown LA. It's the last remaining all-boys Catholic high school. So I asked them, why? Why was that system created? Why do we have education segregated by sex? And they immediately understand. Because if you mix the sexes, you're distracted. It's better for learning. So it's like that. It's up to the parents to create an environment in which their children can be properly educated, not just, again, academically, but in the spiritual knowledge. All right, maybe one more. Anybody else have a question? Okay, again, thank you for... Okay, yes, Mataji. Pass her the microphone. 
Hi, Krishna. In one of your earlier classes, you mentioned how um, on the battlefield, Krishna was talking about something very basic like what we should eat. So, um, actually, interestingly, someone used that as, an, as a reason for not accepting various um, instructions of Krishna and Bhagavad Gita, saying that how could Krishna speak about such basic things on a battlefield. So, I, I didn't know what to say. So, I just wanted to see what, what I should have said. Very good question. Well, w what is Krishna trying to achieve there? The Bhagavad Gita is very basic spiritual instruction, but the end of it is Sarva Dhamma Pratyaja. He's convincing us to surrender to him. Because it's not that if you don't surrender to Krishna, you don't, you, we're always surrendering to friends, to family, to spouse. We're, we're always surrendering until we decide we don't want to surrender anymore and then we fight. <laughs> but the natural inclination of the living entities to take shelter somewhere, just like the natural inclination of children is to take shelter of someone that they trust. So Krishna is in step by step convincing us, Arjuna is a pure devotee, he just momentarily accepted that role of being confused. So, but he's teaching us. So he's convincing us, first of all, you're not this body. You have to work. So, but work that's performed without any attachment, this is a real sannyas. It's the beginning of the sixth chapter. So like that, systematically, Krishna is convincing us to surrender. But we don't, because we don't like to hear the word surrender. Surrender on the material platform means I'm giving up my independence, somebody's telling me what to do. Uh, but if you surrender to the Supreme Being, the all-good Supreme Personality of God, then it's all good. <laughs> There's no downside. But Krishna had to systematically convince us. So that's why it goes step by step by step. And that instruction is in the, near the very beginning, that you have to eat every day. Most of us eat three times a day. So eat only food that is offered in sacrifice. Otherwise, you're verily eating only sin. And if you remain sinful, you can't make spiritual progress. As Krishna says, only those who are free from sin in this life and in previous lives can understand this knowledge. Only those who are pious, then you may, under, you may ask, well, my, I may ask, I wasn't living a very pious life. <laughs> you know, I was a decent student going to school, but my real occupation was partying like anything. So, so Prophet explains, I have made your good fortune. That's the power of a pure devotee. You come in contact with a pure devotee, you may be the most sinful rascal. Like the example we gave yesterday of Mergari, the hunter. Most sinful, half-killing the animals. But because he came in contact with a pure devotee, Narad Muni, same Narad Muni, he was elevated to a high platform of devotion. So anyone, no matter what their birth, no matter what their situation, by the potency of a pure devotee, they can be elevated. Otherwise, it's not possible. There are so many sinful reactions waiting for us. Like I said in that Margari story, one of the reasons why he surrendered because Narad Muni showed him all these animals that you've killed all these years, they're waiting in subtle form to rip you apart. We hear from the fifth canto about the hellish planets and what happens there. It's not a story. It's, it's a fact. And even the non-devotees get some inkling of this, but they don't discuss because they don't have the adhikar, they don't have the, the teachings. But in, in um, medical circles, in hospitals, 
they have this term, it's called terminal restlessness. When a person is about to die, they notice they just can't, they can't and that's why they sedate them. Because they're always moving and sometimes they yell out, ah. So what's going on? The Yamadutas. One uh, Mataji, the, the devotee, she experienced that with her father. Her father was close to dying and then some other years survived. And he told her what he saw. These strange figures and so it's a reality. And that's what Prabhupada saved us from and that's what we can assist him in saving others from. We don't claim to be preachers. Once one of Prabhupada's disciples said, you know Prabhupada sometimes when I preach, Prabhupada cut him off. He said, you're not preaching, I'm preaching. <laughs> So, this is our life, made very simple. Just help Prabhupada in saving people. Take these books, go out, have festivals, distribute prasadam, chant Hare Krishna in the temple, in the streets, that's all. You can still be whatever you want to be. That's not forbidden. Bhaktivedo Thakur was a magistrate. He wasn't just some Brahmin sitting down lighting fires and throwing water. He had a responsible job. And uh, Lord Brahma says that also. If you just agree to take knowledge only from those authorized persons coming down in Sampradaya, not just from some guy, and again, I, you know, I'm not picking on anyone, but I notice in the Indian community there's a tendency, I'm from Gujarat, and there's this well-known Gujarati speaker of Bhagavatam, and I have to hear him, he speaks so nicely. But Prabhu, is, it's Bhagavatam. No! Ask, who is his guru? Who is his guru's guru? If they're not connected to a bona fide sampradaya, don't hear from them. I don't care how nicely they speak. The no potency will be there. Not, not only no potency, they'll say something that will mislead you, guaranteed. So we have to be very careful where we hear. So Lord Brahma says, Jivanti Sammokaridam Babadeva. Stane istita shutikatam tanubam nobir. You can stay in your position. You're a bus driver, you're a doctor, you're a teacher. You don't have to change. We don't go out and tell everybody, stop driving buses, stop. No, you can stay in your position. But just make this contract. I will only hear scriptures from those who are connected to some sampradaya, bona fide, and living. Because sometimes there may seem to be some connection. Somebody may even come out of the woods and prove that they're a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. But look at their lifestyle. <laughs> How are they living? What are they doing? So it has to be somebody in good standing, connected to a proper sampradaya, and then you can hear from such person and apply the teachings in your life. But that can be done in any walk of life. You don't have to give up your job and live in the temple. And if yes, if you can do that, if you can dedicate your life to spreading Christian consciousness, that's wonderful. But if you have responsibilities, you have to stay in your job as a nurse or a doctor or a teacher, professor, whatever, just stay there. But offer whatever you eat, and sacrifice it for you eat it. Because that rapidly purifies the consciousness. That's how Prabhupada was able to take fellows like me off the streets of New York and turn us into devotees. I, I didn't know anything about prasadam or chanting. I was just attracted by the philosophy, that one pamphlet I got. But once you go start going to the temple, they stuff you with prasadam. So, we used to say in the early days, if somebody has an instant attachment to halava, they're going to make a good devotee. <laughs> 
Okay, thank you very much. Gantarachimal Bhagavatam Kija and Srila Prabhupada Kija. Gaur Bhakti Vrindakita.